All right, I'm reading from the first book of the Bible this morning, the book of Genesis, chapter 26. Genesis, chapter 26. Thank you again for standing in honor of the word. Genesis 26, beginning at verse number 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. They digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not, but he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Lord, we thank and praise you today for the word of God, and we ask God your anointing and your blessing upon it and upon the people of the Lord this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Shake at least three to five hands before you're greeted, before you're seated this morning. Welcome somebody to the house of God. So 50 minutes into my prayer time this morning, the Lord dropped this thought into my heart. It's, I feel a fresh word from the Lord, and I believe God wants to speak to somebody today. The title of my message this morning is a well called Rehoboth, Rehoboth. Now, occasionally there are droughts in the area, and they will greatly impact living things. Last summer was an unusually dry summer for us, as you will recall. By September of last year, there was only about eight inches of water in our pond. Can you believe that? That's so full of water right now. But by the end of the season, it had gotten down to about eight inches of water. And I thought for sure that was the end of our fish. We'd lose all of our fish that were in the pond. I'd resigned myself to that. And that was as low, that's as low as it's ever been. But that's certainly not the case this year. This year, our wells are overflowing, along with our streams, our rivers, our ponds, our septic systems, and even our mud holes in the backyard. Everything is overflowing. We're doing okay this year, praise the Lord. And we still have fish in the pond at last count. Quite a number of large smallmouth bass. I'm talking big fish out there. And I noticed some bluegills and best yet, I noticed hundreds and hundreds of spawn, amen, in the pond. So I know that, the, I know that life is going on. Things are going on. Things are good. They're good. Now, one thing I want to say this morning is that we cannot live on past experiences, past victories, past accomplishments. Quote, let the record show will not help us now. You're either doing something or you're not. 
You're either moving forward or you're standing still. You're either growing or you're not. You're either living or you're dying. Life goes on. Things go on. You see, it was Isaac's turn now. <clears throat> his, his father had done many things. But everything that Abraham accomplished was past history. It was done. It was over. It was behind them. They were victories. They were stories to talk about and to tell. But they were not present living realities. You cannot live in someone else's history. You cannot live in someone else's story. You can't even live in your own past history or story. You can only live in the now, in the moment, in the reality that is this day and this hour. Genesis 26, verses 15 through 18 tells us, For the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called them by their names after the names which his father had called them. You see, Abraham had had his battles. He had had his victories. He had something to talk about. The Battle of the Four Kings was one of his great battles and one of his great victories. You see, Abraham had walked the land. He had expressed faith in the promiser by walking the promised land, the length and the breadth of it. He had put down his claim. He had planted his stakes, so to speak. He had made his covenants and he had made his treaties. He got along and he got ahead. And I want to say that God doesn't intend that we should just get by. God doesn't want us just to get by. He wants us to get along and he wants us to get ahead. Can you give God a hand praise? Hallelujah. If we settle for settling, if we settle for just getting by, we are living beneath our privilege as children of God. We are his family. We are his sons and daughters. We are the hope of eternity. We are the salvation of the world because if we let our light shine, others will be saved. They'll come to know God. They'll change their life and their life will be getting better. Amen. And God wants us to have the best. He's made it available to us. And if we accept less, we are living beneath our privilege. Paul said it like this. He said that the, the heir, the heir, though a child, lives like a servant. And he has governors and tutors over him. And as far as what he has got coming to him, he's living uh, like a servant. He's being fed. He's being, he's being taken care of. He is the heir. He's going to get it all someday. But he doesn't have it all right now. Hallelujah. God has made us to be heirs of the promise. We are, the, we are children of faith, and therefore Paul tells us that we are the seed of Abraham because we're children of faith. If we're the seed of Abraham, we're entitled to the covenants. We're entitled to the blessings, and we're entitled to the promises. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody says, I'm entitled, I'm entitled. to something. 
<laughs> God wants to do something for us. Amen. We have to just condition ourselves to believe and receive what God wants to give to us. Now, Isaac, you see, had to find his own way now. He had to fight his own wars. He had to make his own treaties and covenants. He had to claim his own space. He had to do it. And he came back, you see, and he starts out picking up where his father left off. That's not always a bad start. If your father or mother were, were people of faith, people of the covenant, living the promises of God, that's not a bad place to start. That's a great place to start. You've got some points of reference that you don't have to discover or find out or have somebody else tell you. It's already there. The path has been paid for you. You can see easily where you need to begin. So he, he begins where his father left off. And he goes back to the places where his father had digged wells. And the Philistines had filled them in. Fill them in. You're not going to claim. You see, a well is a claim. If you can dig a well and it's your well and everyone knows this is your well, it's your water, then you claim that area, all the fields around it, all the grazing rights that appertain to that well. That's all your spot. That's your place. And it was about territory. And the enemy doesn't want the people of God to have territory. Satan doesn't want to make room for us. He doesn't want us to have space. He would like us to be squeezed out. He would like us to accept settling for less. He would like us just to live by getting by. He doesn't want to give up what belongs to the people of God. But we have some rights. We have some rights as children of the Lord. And when... Uh, when somebody knows their rights, they can stand on them and exercise them and they can claim them. Hallelujah. So he began where Abraham left off. And the Bible says he, he named the wells after the names that his father had named them. Now, I want to point this out to you. I've done some research. Find for me, if you can, the names of Abraham's wells. He named them something, and Isaac named them something. Isaac called them the names that his father had called them. But the Bible doesn't tell us what Abraham called them. We don't know the name of the wells that Abraham did. Why is that important? Well, it's important to the point that whatever victories were in the past, whatever the previous generation did before you, uh, uh, it is, is past, it's done with, and it's not going to do you any good to camp around it. Amen. You're going to have to find your own valley. You're going to have to find your own place. You're going to have to make your own way in life. Anybody who tries to live spiritually off the crumbs that fall to the floor that are the leavings of the generation gone by or the people that are around us that, have, that walk with God is going to starve to death spiritually. You've got to come to the table, and you've got to eat, amen. You've got to find your way in spiritual realities, amen. You've got to make your place. You've got to say, move over, world. Move over, Satan. Move over, enemy. Move over, flesh. Move over, discouragement. Move over, doubt. Move over, fear. Move over, anxiety. Move over. Get out of my life. Get out of my way. I'm going to move ahead. 
I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Isaac went to another place, a valley. Amen. And he put down roots there and he dug a well. Bible said he dug well, and the servants of the herdmen of Gerar did come. And the Bible said it was a well of springing water. Everybody say springing water. Springing water, springing water that's the best kind. Amen. That's, a, that's the best kind. A well, a spring, a spring well, a spring water that comes up bubbling out of the ground, clear, tasty, delicious. Amen, cold, the best kind. It was, it was great water, but there was the enemy there, amen, that was going to strive for him, uh, uh, strive with him for it. So, <clears throat> uh, so he dug that well, but there was problem. You see, the enemy does not want us to have anything, especially anything from God. And he wants, most of all, to rob us of our joy our spiritual joy hallelujah the bible said the joy of the lord is my strength the joy of the lord is my strength and when we walk around without the joy of the lord in our lives we don't have strength we're weak our faith is weak our hopes are weak our our dreams our life is weak we, we don't have the stuff that we need because we don't have the joy of the Lord. God wants us to be full of something. Uh, a well of living water springing. A springing well. A springing well. Amen. That brings joy to us and to all that are around us. A well springing of water that overflows. It has more than sufficient to take care of one's own needs. And can now flow into the lives and bless others. Who wants to hang around a drag? Who wants to be around a moper, a murmurer, and a complainer? Who wants to keep company with? Who wants to keep company with somebody where it's, the day's always bad, life's always bad, they always have got aches and pains and troubles, and who wants to hear that? When we say, how you doing? We don't want to hear, I ain't doing good. That's the last thing we want to hear. We want to say, what we say with, when we say, how are you doing to somebody? We're saying, Give me some of your joy. That's really what we're hoping for. Give me some of your joy. Tell me some good news. Tell me something that will make me feel good. I hope you're doing good because I need to do good. I need to feel good. Hallelujah. And so when somebody is full of life, listen, life happens. Bad things happen to good people. There are moments that we all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We all have the valleys of fear. We have dark days and anxiety, but God promised to be with us. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always, low, even to the end of the world. How can you lose with a promise like that? But we walk around, we don't have Jesus anywhere near us on our mind. We just are swimming in problems, swimming in troubles, and, 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 and murmuring and complaining. And if you've got things not going so good for you, then you try to find bad things in other people as well. And then everybody ain't doing good, you see, because misery loves company. So if I ain't doing good, i got to drag everybody else down around me. And nobody's going to have any joy, and nobody's going to have any peace, and nobody's going to have any happiness. But God meant it to be something else. Dig a well! Come on, people! Dig a well! Get down there where there's some joy, amen, that you can give out to other people. 
Why don't you just have a good day on purpose? Anybody can have a bad day anytime. Anybody can be depressed all day long. Anybody can moan and groan and complain and have problems. Why don't you just have a good day on purpose? Plan for it. Today's my good day. Today's my day of joy. Today's my day of victory. Today's my day of rising up. Today I'm going to claim it. Today I'm going to live for God. Today I'm going to praise him. Today is the day I'm going to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why not have one of those days? Why wait till tomorrow? You don't need to start this on Monday. You can start it right now. Right now. Hallelujah, you can give God praise. Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah. The devil don't want us to have anything. So they strove with him. Therefore he called the name of the well Isaac. Isaac. A well named Isaac, which means argument. It means argument. And the devil's going to argue with you. You try to get blessed, the devil's going to argue with you. You try to get the Holy Ghost, he's going to say, did you really speak in tongues? Amen. You try to turn your life around and he's going to argue. Now, amen, you don't have time to pray. You don't have time to read your Bible. Hey, you got to go off and you got to do this and you got to do that. Amen. There's always going to be an argument and a fuss and a fight. The devil ain't going to let you have anything, amen, that you don't take by force. But the Bible said that since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen. There's something if you want from God, if you want it from God, you can get it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the first well was named argument. So he goes and digs another well. But there's another problem. Seems like every time you turn it around and start over, there's an, everybody notice that? Well, I got that behind me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to start over. Get a brand new clean slate, begin over. And you go take off to start over. Dig, 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 dig. Oh, here's water here. More water, more water, more well. Got another well. Hallelujah. It's coming in. Coming in. Hallelujah. It's pumping 12 gallons a minute. Thank Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a great well. All of a sudden, there's another problem. And so they were arguing with him over that one as well. So he called the name of that well Sitna. Sitna, which means opposition. Opposition. Amen. Satan is not only going to argue with you over every little thing that you're trying to get from God, but he is opposed to us. The devil is fundamentally opposed to us. He absolutely objects to our presence. He doesn't want us in the land. He doesn't want us in Congress. He doesn't want us in the Senate. He doesn't want us in the law offices. He doesn't want us in the judges' chambers. He don't want us in the White House. He don't want us in the Red House. 
He don't want us in the house across the street. He don't want us in a hen house. He don't even want us in a dog house. But God didn't make us to live in a dog house and just get by. Hallelujah. Come out. Come out, people, of the dog house and get in the big house. Get in the big house. Hallelujah. He's opposed to us possessing the promises because because why doesn't Satan want us to have these things from God? Why is he so opposed? It is because he wants to make God out a cheat and a liar. Hath God said, did he really say, thou shalt not eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden? Did God really say that? God's trying to cheat you out of something. And the next thing, he makes God a liar. He says, God said that because he doesn't want you to know what he knows. Because if you eat that, you'll know what God knows. And he don't want that to happen. And he told a lie on God. Hallelujah. Oh, it's the pleasure of God to reveal to us the good things of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God was on his way to visit Sodom and Gomorrah with destruction. He stopped by Abraham's tent and he said... Uh, I got to I got to tell what to Abraham what I'm fixing to do because he's my friend. I got to tell him. Amen. I'm paraphrasing, of course, very liberally, but that's the bottom line: is that he meant to tell Abraham because Abraham was his friend, and it would affect Abraham's family and his condition. Hallelujah! So Satan is out to make God of a cheat and a liar. Amen. God don't mean that. God don't really. You you should not pay tithe. You're too poor to pay tithe. You can't afford to pay your tithe. If you pay your tithe, you won't have enough food to put on the table. You're not going to have enough money to pay your bills if you pay your tithe. Amen. So, so what the devil trying to do is trying to make God out of a cheat. That God won't keep his promise because God said, prove me now. Try me. Test me. Prove me. It's the only place in the Bible where we can actually put God to the test. Hallelujah. And that is the giving of our tithe and our offering to the Lord. God said, I, he said, basically, you cannot outgive me. I'm going to pour it out upon you. I'll bless you. But you see, Satan is trying to make us God to be a cheat and a liar. Amen. God really ain't going to do that for you. He's really not going to answer that prayer. God, God doesn't really care. He's too busy. He's too busy to be bothered with your little situation and condition. So Satan is trying to do that. Talk about projection. I mean, that's classic projection. Satan projecting onto God what he really is himself. So finally, Isaac finds a spot where he can dig and not have much trouble. Rehoboth, Rehoboth, which means room enough. Or if we want to just make it good English, we'll say enough room. Amen. There's a place where there's enough room for me to live, for me to grow, and for me to be blessed. So no matter how Satan stands against us and tries to make the claim that he owns the whole world. You see all the world, the kingdoms of the world, all these things, the treasures, the kingdoms, the power. If you bow down to me, he told Jesus, I'll give all this to you. He tries to make the claim that he owns it all. Uh, but, uh, but he does not own it all. And with God, we're going to squeeze in somewhere. Now, it is true that Satan has much of this under his power because he rules in the lives of people who, who are not living for God. It's true that he has much of it in his power. But God is able to get us 
to make us a place. We won't get the whole world, but we'll have our own place where there'll be enough room for us and ours, and there won't be any more problems or trouble. You see, uh, Satan laid claim to the world when Adam turned the keys over to him. When Adam failed, Satan laid claim to it, and he's trying to insist on that claim. But God is able to help us to squeeze in, amen, somewhere, amen, and give us a place, even though Satan is trying to make claim to the whole thing. We're going to get to squeeze in. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Hallelujah. God is going to make a way to squeeze us in, to get us where we need to go. I don't have time to tell you about a millionaire who left this church in his will, one-twelfth of his $22 million, which by the time the government had got done with it, had turned out to be about $10 million. And by the time nearly 20 years of low interest rates had evaporated it down to just under $400,000. But that $400,000 was the large part of what it's taking to get this construction built and this addition built, which when it's done will cost us about $650,000. God is able to squeeze us in and to make room for us and to fit us in. He's able to do it and do it with a great victory. Hallelujah. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna squeeze in somewhere, somehow, and we're going to get what's rightfully ours. Now let me just take you over here to Ezekiel chapter 47. And he brought me again to the door of the house. And behold, the waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from underneath the right side, the south side of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the gate northward, and he led me about the way to the other gate that looks eastward. And behold, there ran out water on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forward eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Everybody say ankle deep. He measured a thousand, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Now say knee deep. He measured again a thousand and brought me through, and the waters were to the lawns. Everybody say waist deep. We're losing our comfort zone now. <laughs> if you're scared of water, amen, you're getting into the more dangerous areas. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river I could not pass over, for there were waters risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Now, Jesus promised us enough. John 7, 37-39 says, In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, Any man that thirsteth, let him come unto me and drink. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, springing up to everlasting life. But this said he of the Holy Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. Only the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus is promising us more than enough. A belly full of water. A fountain of water, a well of springing water, cool and refreshing and full of joy and full of victory to be flowing up out of our lives. All right, I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you an illustration, my three glass illustration here. My uh, staff's coming and I uh, want just to make a little point here. Hallelujah. Let's give God a hand, praise. 
All right. Come right on up. Right on up. Let's see what we got here. All right. I got three glasses of water. There's, there's three glasses of water. You look in there. There's water in there. There's some water in there. Anybody thirsty? <laughs> That's about a half a gulp. That wouldn't do you very much good. There's a little water in there. Well, we could say that that's a glass of water, but it's surely not full of water. But there is water there. Thank you. Now, this one here, that's about half full, maybe a little bit less than half full, say maybe 40, 45% full of water. Now, that's got a little bit more water. You could be a little bit more comfortable there. But still, even though that's a glass of water, you're just not a glass full of water. Thank you. This other glass over here, would you say this is a glass full of water? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Most of us would settle for 80% and think we were doing pretty good. Huh? If we had that much, we'd think we I'm full. I, I got it. I, I don't need to go to the altar. Woo, look how much water I got in me. I'm just full. I'm full. No, you're not full. The sad reality is that most of us are living somewhere between here and here. That's the sad reality. Some of us, maybe a few, maybe a handful, maybe one or two, are here. But I doubt anybody is overflowing. I know I'm not overflowing. I'm constantly after more. I'm always self-examining. I'm always praying. I'm always repenting. I'm always hungry for God. I'm always saying, God, I don't have enough of this. I want more in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give him a hand, guys. Hallelujah. Most of us, most of the time, do not keep much spiritual water in our well. And I think that a lot of us are living for God just enough to get by. Just enough to feel like I got a chance to be saved. Just enough that the pastor ain't going to kick me out of the church. Just enough that people ain't going to talk too bad about me. Just enough water to get by. Some of us might get up to around 40%. You know, and occasionally pump it up to 50%, but back, back, back down to 35 or 40%, and we feel a third full, and we still feel pretty full. I can slosh it around a little bit, hallelujah. Amen. When I come to church, amen, I can, every once in a while, I get blessed, hallelujah. When I come to church, every once in a while, when I lay hands on somebody and pray, I'll feel the Holy Ghost, and I'll feel the anointing. I'll slosh it around a little bit. I got water in there. I got enough. I got enough. Hallelujah. But what would it be if you got up to 80%, if you worked at it, worked at it, living for God, trying, trying your best to be what God wants you to be, and got up to 80%, if you got that high, you would realize you still weren't full. You'd realize that with more clarity because the less we have, the dimmer our view is about everything. The less light shines on it and the less we're aware of it and the less we know of it. Hallelujah. But the more of God you get, the more you realize you need. And the more you don't have, amen, and that's the more you want. Somebody needs to pray today. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We have an awesome reservoir of power available to us. A virtual Niagara Falls of spiritual energy. But how often do we dip in to the water? A lot of us are content to splish splash around. Hallelujah. Like a kid in a puddle or a splish splash fountain running around amen and the water springing up and we're splashing in the water and we're getting dribbly wet but we're not in the water we're not in we're not in danger of swimming we're not in danger of drowning we're not uh, we're not immersed in it we're just dripping wet we got a lot of drips in the church amen and only got a little water just enough to be wet enough to splish splash in and you come in you splish splash a little bit in the holy ghost and you go out and you live in sin you split you know see that's the trouble a lot of People want the Holy Ghost because they want another feeling. They want another emotion. They, oh, it feels good. I want to feel it. And they come and they speak in tongues a little bit, a little splish splash. And then they just go right back out in the world because all they did was dip their ankle in and get it wet. Hallelujah. But what if you ventured out to the knee level? Hallelujah. What if you walked out a little further and got a little deeper in the water to my knee? Hallelujah. Woo, start to feel good. Amen. There's water. Hallelujah. What if you went a little further and got waist level? Hallelujah. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. What if you walked out? Amen. And it was over your head and you could swim because you couldn't pass over. You could swim in it. Hallelujah. Now, if the well of living water is the Holy Ghost, if the living water is the Holy Ghost, then what is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What does it mean to be baptized? Immersed. The literal meaning of baptismo, the Greek word from which we get baptism, is immersed. Hallelujah. We speak of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what is it? It is an immersion of the Holy Spirit. Think about it if you got the Holy Ghost, if you did get it. Amen. What happened when you did get it and you spoke with other tongues? And it swept over you and it totally took you over and it captivated you. And it filled you and your body was tingling with energy. And it felt like warm oil dripping down off of you. Amen. And you felt so much love and so much peace and power, power, power. Hallelujah. Think of what it felt like when you first got it. Amen. I'm talking about an immersion. Water to swim in. You were completely under it. Amen. And you've got to go completely under to get it. You've got to go completely under. You cannot splish splash your way into the Holy Ghost. You either got to jump in or you got to sit by the pool and watch everybody else jump in. Can you give God a hand praise right now? So the question this morning is, are you a waiter or are you a swimmer? Are you a waiter or a swimmer? I don't want a drip, drip of the Holy Ghost. I don't want a drip, drip of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to live with a cup half full of the Holy Ghost. I'm saying, fill me up, Lord. Fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It came into the room where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's only going to happen when you get filled with it, my friend. You've got to be immersed. You've got to completely go under the power of God. Now, I've got to close very quickly, but let me, let me close with this illustration. 
I want to talk about the power of a vacuum. But he says, well, you know, a vacuum ain't nothing, right? A vacuum ain't nothing. So they said nothing lives in a vacuum. Vacuum is nothing. What is a vacuum? It's a space with nothing in it. It's a nothing space. Oh, you got it so wrong. Now, my dad tells a story recently of a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman that came to his house and demonstrated the Kirby machine. And he did that famous mattress test, you know, where they take the vacuum cleaner and they run it right over the sheets and the pillows and blankets and they pull up all this yucky white stuff out of the mattress. And they said, that's all dead flesh, skin that's falling off of you, and dust mites are in there eating that stuff, and it, they pull a cup full of it out. I mean, it just keeps coming out now and now. And it's so nasty and so yucky, and you're thinking, I never knew I was swimming in dust mites, laying on dead skin. I never, I never knew that. And so he's wanting to go out and buy a new mattress. Well, he should anyway. It's time. It's way past time. We should always change our mattress every few years. Amen. But, you know, that put a thing in his mind that said, I got to go get a new mattress because that thing is just full of junk. It's nasty. Stop being nasty. Hallelujah. Brother Danny Shields has got a shark. He's, he, he brings his shark over once in a while. we got contractors making all kind of dust and, on the floor. And, boy, that, that, that machine can really get pull the dirt out. It's amazing how much a good vacuum cleaner can do for you. But some of us are running around with dust busters. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Put your dust buster down. God wants you to be a ghost buster. Hallelujah. He wants you to have power over the power of the enemy. Most of us are so spiritually weak, we're too weak to shake a stick at the devil. But God wants us to have authority. Command. Command authority over the enemy. Command him to come out. Now, there are reasons why we are not more full of the Holy Ghost. And it basically it's because we're full of other things. Life's things which clutter us. And sometimes they contaminate us. We can speak of many things that would be innocent enough by themselves, but they are spiritually in the way. They are cluttering us up. They might not send you to hell by themselves, but it's bad enough if they stop us from going to heaven because they filled our well with junk. But then there's some real problems, amen, that we can put in our well. Sins of the flesh. And of those sins of the flesh, the worst are the sexual sins of the flesh. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality, uncleanness, impurity. The sexual sins of the flesh are the worst that can happen to us because we sin against our own body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. When we commit these sins, we are hurting ourselves both spiritually and physically when we commit these sins. But not only that, we are also hurting the fellowship that we're a part of. We're contaminating the, the, the area and the people of God and the church of God by those actions. 
We are the aching, hiding forbidden things under the carpet, under the floor of our tents and bringing disaster upon the people of God. We are those spots in feast of charity which cause sickness and death to come into the spiritual communion of the body of believers when they take communion. We're the people that's keeping this church sick and causing people to die because this kind of clutter is seriously contaminating our well. But of the other things, I might say this, that if you'd rather watch TV than pray, then your well is cluttered. If you'd rather go to a ball game than go to church, your well is cluttered. If you're too busy with your own work to do some from God, your well is cluttered. Your well is cluttered. And there's any other kind of thing that you put ahead between service to God and your own life. Are you going to build your own house first and let God stand empty? That is not the will of God. And it isn't the plan of God. Hallelujah. David realized it after he got his own house built. He said, I, I need to build a house for God. That, uh, that realization came late to him, but it didn't to his son Solomon. Solomon had everything ready to go. David had bought and paid for and laid up store, and everything was ready to go to build the tabernacle. But Solomon didn't build the great temple of God that he built until he first built his own palace. And it was a sign of a weakness in Solomon. Amen. The same sign of multiple wives and multiple wealth and all the other things that cluttered Solomon's life, that he put the house of God last. He got around to it, and it was beautiful, and it was great. Amen. And prayer meetings were held there, and the power of God fell there. But it could have been so different for Solomon if he'd had the heart of his father, David, and said, I need to have a house for God. That's the most important thing. Oh, let's give God a hand praise right now. Hallelujah. Stand together. I'm calling the musicians. We're going to get ready for an altar call. Hallelujah. Now, they say that nothing happens in a vacuum, but don't let that fool you. Because a vacuum has the most tremendous energy potential that you can ever realize. There is a power in a vacuum. Don't let it fool you to think that there is nothing there and that's why it's a vacuum. The vacuum is the absence of all things present. But no vacuum wants to remain that way. No vacuum wants to stay in that condition. A vacuum wants to be filled. It wants to go somewhere. And God is the source of everything around us. All of creation, all the power and energy of the Holy Spirit that surrounds us. God is the source of it all. Amen. And God wants to fill everything. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill all of space. He does fill all of space and all the universe. But He wants to fill us. He will not invade us without our permission. He won't come in if we don't want Him to come in. He's given us 
free will. You are your own entity. You are your own spiritual force and decision-making power. You, you are the own king of your own throne and kingdom. You have the power to keep me out if you don't want me in. And that's what most of the world does is keep God out and live in a spiritual vacuum. But I can tell you for sure, amen, that if we hunger and thirst after God, that vacuum shall be filled. If we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, amen, we shall be filled. Hallelujah. Amen. If you really, I have never seen it to fail. Anybody who ever really wanted the Holy Ghost got it very quickly. When you really want it, amen, you're going to get it, amen, because there's a hunger in you and a thirst in you. Give me some of that water. God, I don't want to just drip, drip of the Holy Ghost. Don't just drip, drip on me, God. Don't give me just a taste of the Holy Ghost, but fill me. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. This altar is now open. Praise God. We're going to have some music. We're going to pray. If you are needing to be filled with God, this is a place to get it. It's a place to come and pray. God, fill me, fill me. I, 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 I realize I'm not full. And 80% isn't good enough. Lord, I want to be full. Fill me with your spiritual energy. Yes, sir. Come on, church. Let's gather around together and let's just pray together as a church body tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we give you the glory and the honor today by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come today before right. your presence Reach to worship right your name. Today.